0: Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be together again, um, just feeling the joy of the Lord in the room and just the excitement to, to be together and to be family. It's just such a, it is such a privilege to be part of. So um, yeah, we feel really excited for what God's got to say to us this morning. Um, we're going to continue looking at the Christmas story, uh, like Natalie said. And uh, I, for one, really enjoy doing this because sometimes we pigeonhole the Christmas story to like You know, children's nativities, picture books, shepherds, angels, kings, and we move on. But there is so much richness and truth in God's word for us to draw out from from looking at these people and these parts of the story. So last week Natalie spoke to us about the shepherds, and this week I'm speaking about the wise men. Um, But don't just think, oh yeah, shepherds and wise men, they're actually completely different. Um, and there's just so much that we can learn from both of their examples. And when we were singing this morning, um, bring you more than a song, a song in itself is not what you've required. And then the heart of worship and all of these things. Like the shepherds um, were kind of like the lowest in society at the time. They were out in the middle of the night doing the job that nobody else wanted to do. Watching over some sheep. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't... Um, you know, well-paid, wasn't high-ranking, and God chose those people to be the very first ones to go and see the the Messiah, God with us, the Emmanuel. Um, And then we're going to be looking at the wise men and who they were in society, if you like, and like how God goes... Like Adam prayed, there's no one person and one kind of mould that God prefers in his kingdom. Um, but that even in that very simple thing of like shepherds and wise men and how different they were, um, God goes, well, it's for you and you. And that's so, so encouraging. It's for every person in this room and beyond and the whole whole world, the entire of creation, um, is made to worship the Lord. And so we're going to look at Matthew 2 this morning. Um, so if you could turn to Matthew 2. We're going to read it first before we do anything else. So Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, please. I'm going to read it from the ESV version. It's not massively different in any other version, but there's, this uses the term wise men rather than magi, which is what I'm going to kind of stick with for today. So Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of the king Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to King Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And I'm going to go off piece a little bit here, but just want to kind of pull out a few things from that passage that just maybe dispel a little bit of the myth and dispel a little bit of this, like, Thing that we've come to accept that it was Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in the stable. Shepherds here, wise men here, star above it, a few sheep. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of King Herod the King, wise men came from the East. He's already been born before they even got to Herod. So there's a few bit of time delay here, and they're saying, "Where is he? Where's this King of the Jews?" The whole of the, the of Jerusalem are in uproar. They're worried. What, what do they mean? There's a new king. Like, um, you know, in, in those days, the king was kind of the security of a nation. You know, if if the king was off the throne, they needed a new king straight away. It was like kind of where people found their their comfort, if you like. We've got a ruler. We've got a king. So these wise men turning up from the east going, "Where's the new baby king that's been born?" It scared people a little bit. Herod was a little bit like, hang on a minute, I'm the king, thank you very much, but also the rest of Jerusalem, exactly what it says is, were troubled. Um, So he gets all these chief priests and scribes and all these other very clever people, and he says to them what they're talking about, Um, and they kind of open up some older prophecies to him, and he goes to the wise men. So all of this took some time, you know, this isn't like a quick 20 minute chat, this is probably weeks going on of like where's this king and the the whole country the whole city's in trouble and all of this stuff's happening and then Herod goes to the wise men secretly which is interesting so the rest of it's been quite public all of Jerusalem are troubled with him but secretly Herod goes to the um the wise men and he says go and find this baby king and when you find him come back and tell me because I want to go and worship him too we know Herod's the baddie. We know Herod's never going to go and worship him. Um, but that's what he tells the wise men at the time. And then, where are we now? We are in uh, verse 9. So after listening to the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and came, and came until it came to the place to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced, exceeding with great joy. And going into the house, not stable. They saw the child, not baby, with Mary as mother and they fell down and worshipped him. So by this point, they reckon about nine months has actually passed until the wise men finally find, you know, still a baby. But they're not in a stable. It's not like, oh no, it's nice little like... Silent Night. This is like a huge deal where these kings have traveled a nation and they've shook a whole city and the king's gone, what? There's another king and there's worry and there's... uh, And then they find him and it's exceedingly great joy and they fall down and they worship him. Um, And so it's just interesting to read it maybe through adult eyes um, and not as a, a A school nativity, not that they're not brilliant. Both of my two have got their nativities coming up or just been. Um, And it's so good, actually, to see young children, like, acting out the story of the birth of Jesus. And there's no lobsters or crocodiles or weird things. Like, both of them have been in great biblical nativities. (laughs) But just so, like, we've got that kind of, like, adult, deeper understanding of the word of God that actually there's more to it than just a nice, peaceful, pretty Christmas card scene. Do you see what I'm getting at here? And so I just wanted to kind of start with that as we unpick it. But before we move on, I'd like to have a little bit of a chat on your tables, please, about the wisest people you know. So you can embarrass someone in this room and you could say, do you know what? Rob is the wisest person I know because that's absolutely fine. It's great. Let's encourage one another. It could be a celebrity or a well-known person that kind of speaks out about things and you find them really inspiring or you find them really motivational. It could be somebody who's not in this room that's in your life that just knows how to give you really good words of wisdom. So who are they and what makes them wise? So who's the wisest, one of the wisest people you know? And why do you think they're wise? Just a few minutes please to discuss. I'm going to ask a couple of people to feedback if they feel uh, comfortable to do that. So who's the wisest person you know? What makes them a wise person? Brilliant. Thank you so much. Finish up your conversations, please. Um, I've overheard some really lovely things at the front, so I've got a few people I know I might be picking on. Does anybody um, want to just share with the room some of the thoughts you've had, Sarah? I have several, but because it's a group of wise and men, not a group of men, so, in this room, we mainly have my mum, Lizzie, and Natalie, because if I have any questions or anything like that, they're willing to answer questions like that, and it's really helpful, because um, they also inspire me to read the Bible, more about the Bible and then more and stuff like that. Great. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Does anyone else want to share one? I'm at sort of this end of the room. Go on. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of the people sort of in the church that we felt were wise is that Brian and Hazel? Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the like, way well, they read scripture and the way they train. show the birthday. And his friend Kelly back. Also, Jill. The way you understand scripture, I really mm-hmm. admire it and I love it. And I, I think I've read the well, Bible so I don't see what you see. And I'm really grateful that you share our, your wisdom with us. So thank you very much. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else here? I, I think for those people who are in need, I think it's definitely going to be down instead. And stiff. Yeah, what gonna... <laughs> might, I I makes them out. wise, yeah his ability to absorb so much knowledge and information cool, thank you He's a, a teacher in our network of churches that is a very good teacher called Steph Liston so yeah go google him and uh, soak up his wisdom so these are all very spiritual answers I like it um, I'll, do you guys want to share or should I just synopsize what I heard you say Okay. <laughs> it was just really sweet because I heard both Troy and Lewis say, my mum, uh, which was just lovely. Um, so, yeah, great, like, great answers. It's really uplifting to kind of just focus on those people that are, that are wise and talk about why they're wise. And actually, you guys have got way more spiritual answers than I'd kind of said because I just said it's those people that are able to just say the right thing at the right time. Um, For me, a lot of those people, obviously, they're they're Christians, they're mature Christians, they're people that are kind of in tune with the spirit and can be discerning and can give kind of really insightful words. But it's also people that, you know, aren't Christians. Can I say that? People who aren't Christians can also be really wise. And so I've got some people at work um, who can just give me exactly the advice that I need to hear at that time and let me go, okay, yeah, right, thanks. I'll keep going. Um, And it is experience and it is... Confidence, and it's all those things um, that I kind of see in them that I think gives a bit of power to that wisdom. Um, So, there's a lot in the world that claims to be wise, right? So, there's a lot of like self help around, a lot of kind of good ideas, a lot of what we think is wisdom in the world that doesn't come straight from the Bible. Um, And some of those things are great. Because actually every good thing comes from above, right? It says that in the Bible. So when there's a bit of truth and a bit of wisdom in what people are saying, that's of God because he gave it to us. Every single person was made in his image. And so when we hear wise things in the world, let's not go, oh, that's worldly. Because actually God gives wisdom in all situations through all of his creation. and um, But we do need to be quite careful when it's like a half-truth or a bit of a twisted piece of wisdom because that's the first trick that... Um, that satan used in the garden of eden he tricked adam and eve with something that was kind of true and then there was a lie in there as well so we need to be discerning and we need to be aware of like what is of god and what is deceptive and lies and so just to kind of put that out there um, even when I was like researching for today and stuff, I was looking at different things about this passage, and there are so many theories about what was the star that the wise men followed. Was it a supernova? Was it the North Star? Was it the? the people have written pages and pages and pages on it. Like people love to figure stuff out and grasp hold of what we think is like, okay, great, I've got the answer now. I can understand everything. This is, this is wisdom. This is what I need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like It's great to, to dig deeper and to um, understand like, more levels of, of truth that comes from scripture. And I did a bit of that reading. Like I'm not writing it off as kind of don't bother. Um, but it's just really interesting that people like to think, oh, I've got the answer. I've figured it out. <laughs> i know it was a supernova it doesn't matter like god gave us a star to show us that, that where jesus was born like to me i'm like it doesn't matter what kind of star it was right um but none of this wisdom these answers this explanation that comes from people can stand up against the wisdom of god it withers it perishes it doesn't last the wisdom that god gives us lasts forever it's unchangeable it's uncomparable Uh, undefeatable um, and actually exactly what we need to hear all the time. Not necessarily easy to hear, but exactly what we needed to hear. Um, When Herod says to the wise men from the east, go and find the baby and then tell me where he is because I want to go and worship him too. I would love to know, and I don't know that we ever will know, but I would love to know if the wise men fell for that or not. Because obviously they're told we're told they're wise men, and we're going to look a little bit more about what that meant and where that came from. But, um, I'd quite like to know if they were the kind of really clever people that maybe didn't have that much common sense and would have gone, "Okay, King Herod, we'll come back and tell you where he is." I don't know. I just it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Um, what we do know is that God gave them a dream and told them not to go back, and that's what I mean, that's God's wisdom. And when we're receptive to God's wisdom, it doesn't matter how we're wired, whether we've got common sense, whether we're really super intellectual, whether it's the other way around, whether it's not at all, whether it's both of those, doesn't matter. Because when we're listening to God, the wisdom is what directs us, That comes from God. So they were warned in a dream, so they didn't go back and they went via a different route back to their own country. Um, so do we seek that kind of wisdom in our lives? Do we say, oh God. I don't know what to do here like this person said this thing to me i'm not sure whether i should trust them i'm not really sure what move to take next do we ask god like give me wisdom maybe give me a dream give me a sign direct my path because when we ask the bible tells us we receive ask and you shall receive seek and you will find we seek the wisdom of god we will find it it's a promise of god it's in the bible so are we doing that do we pursue it do we go oh i don't want to do this the best I can, I want to do this the best that I can with the wisdom that God you've given me. Do we fumble along and just do our best, try and keep others happy, maybe follow a little bit of the wisdom of the world? Or do we say, what does the Bible say? What is God saying to me in this situation? Because that's where the real wisdom is. Um, so I'm going to think a little bit about who these wise men really, really were. Um, so we, what's the image in the nativity? So i just shout it out. What kind of like person do we see in a picture or on a card that's a wise man what do they look like to you they're normally old, they're normally old. yes they are normally old anything else normally, normally three of them normally wearing a crown normally they're they're from the east. yeah that's kind of, that's all right that is in the bible <laughs> they are they are from a certain part of the world because they travel over to bethlehem um but yeah you could see it a little bit like that anything else They've got gifts. They're all following Jesus. Yeah, great. So I, the, the kind of like stereotype, if you like, is sort of an old, wise, calm, serene man... I quite like to think of them as, like, slightly nutty guys. They're like, where's the baby? <laughs> They've been waiting for years for this star, like, looking, like, staying up all night, like, looking at the, looking at the sky. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> it is, that's it. It's kind of, like, crazed, really clever people that are, like, so passionate about what, they're, what they know. So they, they would have probably been... So I did do a bit of research. Um, so these wise men would have been from like the school of, like, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those people that were in Babylon as the wise men. Um, So they are in the east. Um, They would have had knowledge of the scriptures. They would have been taught this. They would have had a lot of, like, Time to learn and study and get really excited about this star there's gonna be a baby and there's gonna be a ruler that comes out of Bethlehem. And I do I do think they'd have been slightly manic, to be honest with you. I do think and when it says they finally found the baby and they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and then they fell down and worshipped him. We mustn't forget that bit, but my imagination when they finally find this, this nine-month-old with Mary in a house, they'd have been like Wah! here he is, like the star, it's the baby. Like They would have been mad, mad happy. Not sort of like, we've come with our gold. It just just doesn't fit. Do you know what I mean? I just quite like thinking about the real human rawness of it. Um, And sometimes we pigeonhole a Bible story, don't we, to kind of fit the the picture books. Um, But just imagine, just bet with me on that one, because I reckon that's what it would have been like. Um, So these people, they would have known the book of Daniel, They would have had a lot of insight into these prophecies that um, they then quote about um, a ruler coming from the nation of from Bethlehem, the least among the nations, da da da. They would have had this knowledge of that. Um, And it's just, this is the wisdom of God's word, right? So there's a lot here that I'm just gonna try and snapshot for you. If you're interested, I've got loads more on it if you just wanna read a bit more about the intricacies of how the wise men knew what the star meant and knew when to look for it, and knew when to get crazy about finding this baby. Um, So in Daniel chapter 9, the angel Gabriel gives Daniel like a cryptic calendar according to sacred systems, which is heptads, so every seven years. In Daniel 9 verse 20 to 27, Daniel's told that God's determined the rest of time from that day, following a timetable of these 70 times seven days. And it goes on and on and on. So... What we say is a week, seven days, right, heptad. And six important things are, on, are in God's agenda in this time. And this is the exciting bit. So the first one is to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up, so to make, fulfill and no longer need the old prophecies, and to anoint the most holy one, which is the Messiah, and so the wise men have been studying like their whole lives this cryptic calendar of when this baby's going to be born. Uh, I could scroll down and give you pages and pages more about how they worked out. Okay, well, 70 years from when this rain ended, take away this, when we skip ahead here, blah, blah, blah. And then there's, well, we know that the Messiah's going to die when he's 30. So backtrack a few years to when he'll be born. That's why they're looking out for the start in the year of Jesus' birth. They are super clever. They've worked it out. They've had training. They've had Steph Liston's explain the prophecy to them. They're, they're in this kind of school of scripture and school of looking for the God's truth, which is great. Like Bible colleges and being able to sort of study theology and things like that. Like that is, if that inspires us to worship God, great. Um, let's do it. Let's do more of it. Um, but just if, come to this image up in your brain of these. Three probably, um, wise men from the East have spent their lives being as wise as they possibly can, learning from the wisest people they possibly can for generations and generations. And what are they doing? They are looking for Jesus so they can worship him. The wisest men, like literally when people say wise men, we think of these wise men, right? In like our culture, the wisest men we can probably think of are looking for Jesus we worship him. It's the wisest thing we can do, church. It's literally the, most, the only thing we can do. Um, they were overjoyed. Um, I've skipped around in my notes, but that's fine. So they find him, poor Mary. These crazy people have come into her house. They're, they're probably not washed or eaten. You know, they've traveled ages. They've been in Jerusalem. People have been worried. They've been talking to the king. They've finally found this child. And then they honor him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Does anybody feel like they've got a bit of an understanding of what those gifts represented? Just like a basic one. I'm not looking for, like, wise man-level knowledge here, but does anyone want to just share, like, what does gold mean? What did the frankincense mean? What did the myrrh mean? Does anyone know? Go. Frankincense. Okay. frankincense was used in the temple. To worship Jesus it was Jesus god yeah at the time and it was considerably expensive yeah. and the same with gold gold is associated with royalty yeah. and the rich mm-hmm. and myrrh is the type of medicine. not quite not quite yeah. Yeah. great though super first two smashed it anyone know what myrrh means what myrrh represented anointing the dead go on wise lady anointing the dead she said for anointing the dead, which you are absolutely right. So if you were, like, how many people in this room have, you know, got children in their families as parents or aunts or uncles or just people that you, you know, the young kids that you really care about? Nine months old, I give them embalming oil for when they die. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, It carries so much meaning. And we skip over it, don't we? Go on, frankincense and myrrh, and we kind of laugh at the little kid in the nativity play who couldn't quite say frankincense, and then we move on. But there is so much hidden meaning, and the, the wise men here, they knew that. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that the scriptures prophesied that the Messiah would die, that he would end transgression, he would end sin, he would set people free. They knew all of that. They knew he was royalty. Like Sarah said, the gold is for, for a king. It's a nine month old running around in a house in Bethlehem who was born in a stable nine months early, earlier, and they're still in Bethlehem. They've not gone home yet. You kind of think, what, what was going on in Jesus' life here at this beginning? Like, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready for today, and I kind of thought, I wonder why Mary and Joseph were still in Bethlehem. Why didn't they go back to Nazareth? Was it just because they, they could get off four? Could they did they not really had they not decided you know young married couple like should we just stay here and see how it goes like there was it just seems a bit kind of not what you'd expect for a king just kind of normal <laughs> normal people figuring out life as you go like let's go here like and then obviously we know that um Joseph has a dream from God as well that tells him to go to Egypt which means that Herod's attempts to um to end Jesus' life that at that point don't work, so we know that they were godly people, obviously uh, listening to God's direction. But I just get this sense it's very normal when they're kind of not really settled at that point, and um, these guys turn up and they give them these gifts. And it says, um, I think in a different gospel, that Mary pondered these things in her heart. So just taking a moment as well, it's really nice that like a lot of mothers have been mentioned as the wisest people. And fathers, you are super wise too. Let's not take away from that. It's just interesting to note the theme this morning. Maybe let's think a bit about how wise Mary was. To be following God's voice in the way that she did. To be listening to what God might be saying to her through these wise men that turned up with these things. Um, And I kind of want to encourage us that. We want to look for God's wisdom in those things as well. So let's, let's ponder a few things in our heart, like as we go through life. Like, well, God, what are you doing here? Like, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? Um, the wise people that we've mentioned that, that say wise things and, and do wise things, let's watch them. Let's learn from them. Let's see God at work in their lives and take um, inspiration from them. Because, as I said before, the wisest thing we can do is to seek Jesus and to make him that king in our lives. So you did it because you did the spiritual answer, which is lovely. When I asked you, like, what makes those wise people wise? You talked about scripture. You talked about being able to um, unpack scripture for people. You talked about people that inspire you in your faith, which is brilliant. Um, Because the thing that makes wise people wise is seeking Jesus and making him king of their lives. And the thing that's going to make you and I wise is doing that as well. So if you haven't, it's the wisest thing you can do. Virtue's made that commitment this weekend publicly. She stood here and talked about it publicly as well. It's the wisest thing she'll ever do in her life, right? So well done to Virtue. Um, To continue to seek him, that's how we find more and more of this wisdom. That's how it it grows. Um, It's a shame he's not here because we often talk about... Brian, um, and just how excited he is about the Word of God. You remember it? He shared, I love this verse. I love this verse. That's wisdom. That is wisdom. So he's probably, if I was going to answer the question I asked you to answer earlier, um, he'd be somebody I spoke about because he doesn't just read the Bible because he has to. He... Has the wisdom to know it's the best thing ever. He's excited about it, and I bet he would have been really excited if he'd have been with these wise men. Um, it's given him that worship like we were this morning. It was so good to have a time of worship that really felt like it was from the heart. Um, it just collectively felt like we were really looking at Jesus this morning. That's the wisest thing we can do, it's what the wise men did, so let's do more of that. Um, and it's also given him those gifts which can mean sacrifice. It can mean, you know, a bit of a wrench at times. But it's the wisest thing we can do. It's not about self-protection, self-care, self-love. Some of the kind of worldly wisdom that we hear. It's all right to an extent, but if we let that influence our worldview too much, it's quite dangerous. Because actually following Jesus is not about looking after myself. It's about following Jesus. It's about making him the king. Um, and that is the wisdom that the wise men had. That's the unshakable wisdom, the unbeatable wisdom, the unstoppable wisdom that we get to experience as well. Um, so my theme, topsy-turvy, but I'm going to tell you what the title is as I finish. Wise men still seek him. And so that's what we want to do as a church, as a group of people. We want to continue to be, make the wisest decisions we can and continue to seek Jesus and to worship him. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. That's it. Shall we pray?